Welcome to the Weekly Fix, episode number two. I'm your co-host, Jacob. And I'm the other co-host, Zane Worley. And today we have a crazy episode for you guys. This past week in the world of Marvel, the world of Star Wars was insane. We had the ending of Ahsoka. We had the season premiere of Loki season two. I have so much things I want to talk about. We have been patiently awaiting this podcast episode. So Zane, tell me how you're doing today and tell me how excited you are for this episode. Man, it has been a crazy week, and I am so excited to talk uh, just everything Ahsoka, everything Loki. Um, I even was texting you being like, hey, maybe we should do uh, two episodes this week, because I was up in West Virginia, and I missed last week, and I was, I was like, hey, this isn't even the weekly fix, it's the bi-weekly fix. <laughs> um, so, um, but you talked me off that ledge, and you said, hey, let's just do it. Uh, one podcast, we'll get back on track, And uh, but boy, do we have a lot to talk about, because... Wow, Ahsoka and then Loki, uh, both were amazing and just so good. Well, as much as I want to talk about Loki, because to be honest with you, I thought that first episode could not have been any better. I thought it was absolutely a phenomenal season two premiere. I think let's hop into Ahsoka first. We obviously had the season finale of Ahsoka, and I don't know if that show could have wrapped up in a better way. They left so many things open-ended. They left so many things for us to speculate and theorize on, but they also did close a lot of things that we might have had questions on, which I thought was just absolutely phenomenal. So tell me how you felt about the Ahsoka finale. I felt a lot the same. I absolutely loved how many threads and how many stories are going to come out of Ahsoka. Um, there were so many stories, and there's so much Star Wars content already. Um, I don't know a lot of people... Um, kind of bash on the MCU, because if you want to start into the MCU, uh, you're just going to have to trudge through a lot of content. Um, now, for me, who loves to watch things, uh, that's not a bad thing. But for people in Star Wars, like, man, Ahsoka is fed by years, years of Star Wars content, and just layered upon layered, and every fan, if you're a fan of Star Wars, I don't know how you can watch Ahsoka and not just adore this movie. And it's not just it's just not it's not just fan content. It's actual good storytelling the entire way through. And like you said, the ending with so many potential. Where do you go? They didn't just spoon feed you everything. There's so much that's unknown, so much that they get to play with that we get to look forward to. Like we're not gonna get answers for these for potentially years. And some some we might not even get answers to. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of it, is kind of saying, hey, it's open-ended. We don't know where this is going. Well, and I would touch on something you said about how they gave us not only content for Star Wars fans, but content for people that just enjoy good storytelling. Hats off to Dave Filoni and all the other producers for really doing both not only a fan service, I think, and adding some stuff that Star Wars fans have wanted to see for years. I mean, seeing Hayden Christensen again as Anakin Skywalker, seeing him portray his Clone Wars character, and With then just armor. doing just yeah, with his with his Clone Wars armor, and then just good storytelling overall. I don't know if those producers really, with the task that they had at hand, because we all know Star Wars fans can be a picky bunch. We can be a little too picky if you include some stuff, and if you don't include this, we get mad. I don't think they could have done a better job with the task they had at hand. So huge hats off to them, and I mean, I love how this season ended. I love all the things we got to see, and I just, I don't know, I just cannot wait for what's to come and you talked about there's so much star wars content it's literally getting to the point and i feel like this is the first time i've ever felt this way about a star wars show 
I'm literally wondering, like, I'm excited to know where these stories are going to go. And then I'm like, I wonder if I'm even going to be alive to see some of these things oh my. that they want to do. Because, morbid. I mean, there's years of stuff that they have to build on now. I mean, they have content. I bet their content map is just li- like filled to the brim with ideas they have. And as a Star Wars fan, that is so exciting. And just so y'all know, Jacob's in his twenties, so that's like a that's like if something bad happens to him, like hey, you got or, hey, you or never Star know. Wars. I mean, I, I'm or telling you that Star Wars content map could be forty, fifty, sixty years in the making. I mean, think about how long it takes just to get a season out now. Well, I mean, yeah. we are we were going to talk about it a little bit with the uh, SAG strikes and the, all those things coming seemingly coming to a close. It seems like it seems like they finally worked out some stuff. But I mean, think about how long that has just delayed stuff. Oh, crazy! And this is kind of like, especially in the world of COVID, because content really never saw the delays that we saw until 2020. And ever since 2020, we we kind of we delayed really hard and we we pushed out a bunch of content. And so now I think kind of getting back to to normalcy where it's going to be more consistent with with quality and time so it's not going to be as fast but we're going to see an uptake in quantity or quality and and ahsoka was definitely the uptick in quality in star wars show that i needed personally um so good it, it was amazing and you know there's so much to talk about so i think we just hop right into it i want to know what your favorite part of the finale was Oh, my favorite part? Your favorite part. If there's something you want to think about on it for a second, I can go oh, ahead and I my. will tell you my favorite part of the finale. Yeah, because... you, you, man, that, that's a tough question. I wasn't even ready for that one. Because, <laughs> man, See, I, the I'm going to be the one asking so the tough good. questions today, right? But, <laughs> oh, please do. Um, so, but, yeah, you I tell me say, your I got to say, my favorite part of the finale, and it was such a small part because... We watched this whole episode. I mean, we have so and much spoilers, things. So many spoilers. Yes, spoilers. Again, if you guys have not watched, we do want to give that give you time to click off here. I think this whole episode, if you haven't watched Ahsoka or Loki, this might not be the episode for you because this is just going to be full <laughs> of spoilers. But you have you've had a few days to get get to watch those things. So okay, I got to yeah, say, sorry. my favorite part of the finale, and it's such a small part, but I literally when this scene happened. I almost felt like this is it's the most exciting thing I've seen in Star Wars. And again, it's a very small scene. But I just want to talk about Balin and the Mortis God statues. Oh my. I don't know what it is about that scene. There were so many great things that happened. I mean, we saw Ezra finally reunited with Hera. I'm still mad at Disney and Star Wars a little bit for not letting us see them hug. But I digress on that. I mean, I felt like that would have been a very <laughs> emotional point right there. Yes. But just seeing that and just seeing like the actor for Ezra, his name is slipping my mind right now. It's Ray Stevenson. Oh, for Balin. That's for Balin. Right. Oh, but for the, Ezra? The, yes, for Ezra's actor, I want to, before I finish talking about the Balin and the Mortis Gods, I don't know if they could have cast a better... It's, his name's Eman uh, Esfandi. And it, yes, apology, apology if I, I butchered that pronunciation, but... But um, he did... A phenomenal job. All of Ezra's little quirks, all of his little things he did, I felt like it was literally the Rebels Ezra. So oh, that I'm was one of my favorite cool. parts of the show. But, but go back to your Balin. Yes, that was so your the Balin spot. and the Mortis Gods, right? I feel <sighs> like that is the biggest 
thing to be speculating on. Sure, we know Th- Thrawn made it back to the the galaxy we all know and love. We we're gonna get to see what I hopefully we get to see a live action Dathomir. But Balin and the Mortis gods, I think, is almost the theme of the whole show. It wasn't talked about. It didn't seem like it kind of went under the radar. Balin wasn't the main character. Shin wasn't the main character. But their little duo, I think, was probably the best part of the whole show. But the best part of that finale is just what could come from that Mortis God statue. What can come from the Balin character. Because, I mean, if you want to talk about some crazy theories, I mean, there are some wild things that they could go with if they want to really adventure into this Mortis God stuff. And, I mean, they they clearly do want to. I mean, first off, um, the world between worlds is only available because of the Morris gods, and yeah. that was shown in that was shown in Rebels uh, with the mural there. But um, the fact that they put that in live action, and I mean, if you haven't watched Rebels or it or um, Clone Wars, that that scene is kind of lost on you. That just looks like that just looks like one of the old guards from. Uh, like Lord of the Rings. That's like that's and he's just standing looking off into the distance. Yeah. So but for those of us that have seen like what those those beings are, the father of the force, like wow, like what are we what are we in store for? And then the fact that he's standing there and we know that's the last time we're going to get to see Ray Stevenson because he oh. tragically passed away. Um, and, and that's such a heartbreak for his family, but also just like he did that character so well. I don't know. I mean, that may be a story that they just they just leave open ended because of the tragedy of his passing, too. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, I mean, I just I said it just a second ago, but Balin and Shin. And in particular, Balin, I think Shin did a great job, but something about Balin's character, Ray Stevenson portrayed him perfectly. And I almost talked about it after every single episode, how sad it is that he does not get to see how much his character is loved. I mean, I think I have not heard a single person complain about that character or no, say this or that. I mean, it was all just everyone loved Balin and Shin. And I mean, I mean, there's people on Twitter that absolutely despise this show, which blows my mind. Yeah. But every time they're like, well, you know, Balin is the only good thing about the show. Yeah. And he is top tier. Like, he's right up there. He's not my favorite part of the show. He was very, I loved every scene he was in, and I thought he was really good, but he wasn't my favorite part of the show. Uh, but I can definitely understand if he was. Yeah, it, it, like I said, he was my favorite part of the show. Just every time he was on the, on the screen, he demanded such an uh, like such. He just had such a presence. Um, but getting back to my favorite part of that, you know, that Mortis God thing, and the thing I wanted to talk about, and I want your theory on this. When he's looking off into the distance, and I didn't know this until a couple days had passed, and I saw a picture on Twitter. If you remember in those episodes in the Clone Wars of the Mortis Gods, they see a beacon. And where that beacon is, is where the father of the force was. Correct. I saw a picture, and I didn't pick this up when watching it. It's very hard to see, but, that but someone glowing. showed it. There is a beacon out way out there that he is way looking out, out to. It yeah. is way out there. And if I didn't get it shown to me, I don't know if I would have ever picked it up. Because I'm looking at Balin in that scene. I'm not looking at, like, I looked at the mountains. I thought that was such a beautifully filmed scene. It looks amazing. Yeah, because But I did not like pick up just... on that... Yeah, it looks just, like he's just pointing into the abyss, right? Yes, like, it's just like a the majestic... grand abyss in front of you. Like something's out there. Yeah. But, 
props to whoever pointed that out because I actually saw a picture on Twitter and that's the only reason I saw it as well. Like I didn't pick it up yeah. when I watched it, but props to whoever is like just studying that film and pointing that stuff out because man, that's awesome. And it does show that they have an intentional journey for that character in the future. And and that's the reason why I didn't think that I literally thought when I didn't watch it and I didn't see that beacon, I thought, oh, this is this is a beautiful way to send off Balin's character because Ray Stevenson is gone. It sounds like this they're just going to kind of let him have gotten to the statue and this might just be where he resides. But it does seem like they have a big story to tell with Balin's skull and him seeing that beacon. So brings me back to my question. What do you think that beacon is leading to? Well, I saw a theory today, and, and I've really tried to stay completely away from it because I don't want to just tell other people's theories on this. Mm-hmm. But I did see um, – is it uh, – there's like uh, – there's another force being in Legends that yes. people think that is uh, maybe maybe housing um, that the father maybe maybe captured when she was when she was banished. I don't – the name is slipping my mind. The Abeloth. Or something? Uh, Abeloth. Um, yeah. I, I personally have no clue. Um, I personally think that that is pointing to the creation of the world between worlds, and okay. I think I think that it is. I think it's pointing to the gateway that is free access to that power. Um, I don't think it's any one person. I think that that is just as in Rebels, his finger pointed to a portal. Uh, on the mural. So I think that's what that statue is doing in a much larger scheme and probably a much larger access, maybe even somewhere where you can control it from. Um, that's my personal thought on it. I, I, I love that theory. I think it probably is the most realistic, I feel like, because the World Between Worlds is such a big thing in Star Wars, even though it's not been talked about much in shows. Um, it's just such, it's like really a portal to power if you think about it because well, I mean, anytime, for... ugh, anytime you can manipulate time i mean you you hold the key to all power exactly and, like so and, and like i mean we just saw how crazy powerful it was when ezra was in in rebels and so to see that like to see that it was live action with ahsoka like anakin potentially pulled her into that that he's maybe residing in there. Maybe that was her subconscious. I, who knows? Maybe that's a force ghost that was embodied. We don't know. We don't have those answers. I want those answers. You don't want those answers. <laughs> I love. I love the. I love the speculation. Um, one of the things I have a couple of theories on it. Um, one of them is just me just hoping, just being a fan of Hayden Christensen and being a fan of Anakin Skywalker. I don't know how far away Balin traveled. <sighs> After he fought Ahsoka, we know this was his whole point. This is why he wanted to go to this galaxy, Peridia. This is why he wanted to get here, is he felt the Force calling out to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far away he traveled from where Ahsoka and Sabine are with the little the little turtle guys. I hope one of the things I kind of hope it is, is that beacon in the Clone Wars pointed to where the father was. I do hope if they go this way, I would love for... Just to see Star Wars come full circle and let Anakin Skywalker be the chosen one and him being the new father of the Force, I think it'd be really cool if that beacon is pointing to where Anakin was. At the very end of that episode, we see the Force projection of him looking over Ahsoka. We even see Sabine sense his presence a little bit. Um, I would Shadows love for that to kind of be... Yes, I would love for that kind of to be it, just because I would. I love that theory of Anakin being the new father of the Force, being the new you know, balance, because, I mean... We all know he's supposed to be the chosen one. He's supposed to bring balance to the Force. 
that's the theory I hope it is. I love your theory on it being the world between worlds door that really is not needing to be opened. It is just the perfect door, the perfect portal into it. Um, I think that's a great theory. But the more I read these theories about Avaloth and the things like that, I wouldn't be shocked if they go that route. Because some of the things that they are doing, I think, are really kind of building up to the sequels. I think they're really making an effort to try to give the sequels the backstory that they desperately needed. If the sequels would have had some more backstory, I do not think they would be hated on as much as they are. So I definitely think this show and a lot of the shows that we are getting now are definitely building up to trying to build up the sequels backstory. Well, they're definitely, I mean, they're definitely not trying to tear anything down. And I appreciate that. that they, those movies exist. People put in time and work and effort into those. and You don't want to just erase them from history um, because they're, they're out there. They exist. Um, the the sequels did the original characters dirty in my opinion um and so i, I you can't fix that for me I, I that can't be fixed it can be helped but that 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 issue can't be fixed now as far as like palpatine somehow returns if you give that you know that does make it better um but um i i do like the fact that we are getting so much good content leading up to that and and we are going to see why um i guess the rebels failed to at, at creating a stable government when i think this show the one episode that we got where we saw hera we saw c3po which was awesome right i love that, finale, that we saw right? c3po um yeah I, I i thought that was so so cool but i think that you know some of the theories I've seen, you know, we're talking about how they did the the sequels did the original characters dirty. Some of these theories I'm reading actually are kind of giving some, you know, I think a big thing people hated about the sequel is how they treated Luke Skywalker. They made him this oh, hermit sure. that hated the Force, that hated that hated being a Jedi. He hated he was doing the opposite of what it meant to be a Jedi, kind of just you know, isolating himself, not trying to help the Republic or any of those things or the rebels, whatever you want to call them. He was just kind of doing the opposite. Some of these theories I'm reading, they actually kind of make it make sense because like, say they are to release this evil force being Abeloth or something else that they want to make something brand new. And that's kind of what corrupts Kylo, right? That's kind of what Kylo is fighting as he's fighting these urges that these other force beings are kind of floating into his head. It could scare Luke. You know, he's already been through something like this once. So, again, I don't think it'll make it perfect, but there are some things that I actually think would really help it. No, I, I agree. It, it, they can use all the help they can get, in my opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but um, I just, I do, I do really like the stories we're getting. Yeah, I think, I think they're absolutely phenomenal. So, I've given you some time to think. Have you thought of your favorite part of the finale? Is there something that sticks so, out to you? And it might not be your favorite, but maybe just something that you really enjoyed or something that just stood out to you. So I think my absolute favorite part of the finale is actually going to be a controversial part okay. um, that most people actually don't love on, and that is um, the Ezra and Sabine jump. Okay. That's my favorite part. Okay. Because, Are you, you, so you're, oh, you enjoyed that. Oh, man. I thought, I thought that was incredible. I thought that it made sense. I thought that it, like, I, I don't care that she got force powers because she, she was force sensitive. Mm 
was shown several times in in Rebels. It was shown that she was force sensitive. She was just blocked. And to kind of get to that point, but also like the callback to Rebels because in Rebels, so many times Kanan and Ezra yep. did that move. Yep. They pushed Ezra across, and then Ezra pulled Kanan, and and it, it like that was just a common thing. And to watch Sabine, who was there with them that entire time, you know, and then you know she just unlocked her, like she just got past her block to get that that the the lightsaber off the ground and and, and save her own life, and then the confidence to say, hey, I'm gonna span this fifty yard gap, and then the trust that Ezra has, yeah. The trust that Ezra has to jump, like, oh man, like I just like that was all, and that's such an Ezra thing, like, like you said, like the perfect quirks, and then as soon as he gets up there, he turns full Ezra and immediately puts on a stormtrooper <laughs> suit, you know, like that's just such an Ezra thing to do from from the from the story, and like I think that's my favorite moment. Yeah, and he, you know, to touch on him putting on, he he even picks up the stormtrooper's walkie-talkie and does the little acting like he's the stormtrooper, you know, saying the, you know, his the little codes line. Back to I him. thought that was, yeah, it was so good. And I actually have to, I see a lot of people complaining, like, oh, I think it's dumb. She just all of a sudden got her force powers. What I actually love about that is we see it a lot in Star Wars where the force, you know, always comes through at the right time. Yes. I thought that was a perfect time to finally let her break this little block that she has. I mean, does it get any more desperate than you're being choked out, pushed up against a wall, and your friend who you have been searching for for years, who's been on another galaxy, is getting beaten down by a zombie death trooper? No, that no is like the ultimate time for something like that to happen. Yeah, to get those mental blocks out of the way and be able to tap into the power that's within. I just I loved it. I think it was great. And oh, man, and then her decision to stay, like that oh. entire sequence, like she's not gonna leave her master. She's gonna stay back. She's gonna help Ahsoka. She's not gonna leave her there to die on her own. And like just that entire sequence was the culmination of so much character building up until that point, and to see them make the right decisions. Ahsoka left Sabine earlier sabine left ahsoka earlier in the in the series and they lost because of it like they 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 had consequences because of their decision to split and she then stays knowing that ezra can can be fine on his own well and then it's cool too because one of the biggest things ahsoka had regret about was what leaving her master to finally have an apprentice be like i'm not doing that it almost makes Ahsoka feel like, you know what, I might have done something right by showing her it is we do need to stick together. And I, they did leave each other here and there, you know, they had their moments. But it, it's like it finally, you know what, we're actually sticking together. I thought it was just a really beautiful, beautiful writing moment. I think they did such a good job. And it was really cool. I mean, how cool was it? Ahsoka was like desperate measures. And then she hears Sabine's voice. Oh, what a great scene. I mean, that was just, it was awesome. Oh my! And then I think runner up for me, and I just I, I love the rebels. I thought it was great. I even talked to you about it and saying like, man, I don't know, it's a little rough to start with, <laughs> um, but I just absolutely fell in love with the characters and to see Ezra build a lightsaber that is identical to Kane and his masters, just to to completely and totally respect him 
and then his interaction with Hu Yang there, who he completely disrespected until he he said that he knew Caleb Doom. Like, oh man, so cool to just see those interactions and those characters on screen. And, and it's not just for fan service. It's a good story to tell, which I think is the most important thing when you're doing stuff like that is that you're not just throwing characters in there and be like, oh, look, there's so-and-so. No, there's purpose, there's intention, and there's story-building things that are happening because of it. And that's what I really enjoyed about Ahsoka. Oh, man, when Hu Yang looks at Ezra and he says, I only had, only had two of those and I kept the extra in case Caleb ever needed it, but I don't mm. see a better person to have it than you. I was like, ah, that's it. This is this is the best Star Wars show. I mean, they <laughs> it's just great storytelling, but like just the emotional strings it was pulling on me as just a, a you know a lifelong Star Wars fan. I was like, this is just perfect. I mean, they they get what they are doing with this show. They do, and, and Dave Filoni is just the ultimate Star Wars fan. Maybe Sam Witherd, but um, you know, to combine. And Sam Sam worked on the show as well. Yep. Um, yep. So I mean, just just great. I thought it was great. I loved a lot of the things. I mean, so much to talk about, but just to rattle off a few things, the zombie stormtroopers I thought were cool. I've seen a lot of people complaining about them because everyone's like, "Oh, they have lightsabers. Why don't they just cut their heads off?" They didn't know what was really happening. It's not like they've experienced this before. This was all new to them. So I thought those were really well executed. Um, you know, just seeing stuff like that. Absolutely loved Morgan's Elbet Morgan Elsbeth's character throughout the whole cool, series. Man. I thought she did a great job, but le- that duel with Ahsoka was so good. I know it was one of the best duels I can remember in Star Wars in a long time. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people calling it the best duel. I I don't. Uh, it's not the best. That. It's not the best. <laughs> it it's down there. Um, it it's not top five for me. Um, especially if we include animated. Um, oh so... well, if you include animated, there's a lot of good ones. I mean, I think it's hard to—I don't think anyone can disagree with the best one in Star Wars. Period is Anakin versus Obi Wan. Choreography in that part. fight is just perfect. Yeah, and, um, and stakes. Yeah, I mean that is literally the highest stakes we'll ever see in Star Wars. Period. I mean, it, I don't think it'll ever get no, it bigger than that moment. Um, but I think they did a really good job, especially with how Star Wars was. Um, you know just did a really good job of executing that duel the stakes were where they should be in that fight they weren't like obviously they were high stakes um so i felt like they did a good job showing that and they did a really cool job of showing off like the um night sister sword the talzin sword i thought that thing was awesome i absolutely love seeing stuff like that in star wars so cool so yeah super super cool so um, you talked about people having complaints about the zombie troopers not just getting their heads cut off. We did see one get its head cut off. Yes. <laughs> um, which, um, well, kind of off screen, and you saw it roll on the screen. You got to keep that, you know. Well, uh, I saw that a thing. Down. I saw, yeah, I saw Disney. They were like, we'll allow one head roll. <laughs> <laughs> we'll allow one head roll off screen. Yep. And, uh, but um, we talked a lot about what we love with it. Did you have any complaints? With the finale, or even really the show, there's there was not, and I've I've talked to you about it. I've really changed the outlook on how I intake you know shows and anything anymore. I really try to come at it a completely different point of view than I used to. You know, going into like Ahsoka, and we'll talk about Loki here in a little bit. I didn't watch many theory videos. I didn't watch a whole lot of stuff like that because I don't want to get my hopes set in a certain way. I love talking about theories, which is kind of why we decided to do this podcast because we want to talk about theories. 
but I hate like how much negativity can get brought into these, you know, shows nowadays. So I kind of changed how I started watching shows and it has made just watching in general um, 10 times better for me. I absolutely look forward to every week. I look forward to every episode. I'm not disappointed when something I thought could happen doesn't happen. Um, I've just been really enjoying it. And I don't think there was anything with this whole show that I didn't like. I think they just really did a great job. I know a lot of people will be like, oh, you're just, you know, fanboying or whatever you want to say. I just loved it. I mean, just as a Star Wars fan, I just thought it was awesome. Well, I mean, call it fanboying, but I mean, I am a fan of it. So, right. <laughs> you know, like, of course, I'm going, I'm going to like the content they're putting out as long as it's decent. Um, I, I, I completely see that point and say, like, it's so easy to focus on the negative, especially in today's world. And oh. to get, like, but, like, unless it's, like, completely and totally, um, I guess, world-breaking or, um, uh, what is it, uh, like, a plot hole or, like, uh, just a complete misstep, yeah. like, I really try not to focus on it. Like, for me, there's some things that I can look back on. And so one of the things that, like, I just, like, I, the zombie st- stormtroopers, like, so when we look back at Obi-Wan, the show Obi-Wan, we see a lightsaber bounce off a stormtrooper. Like, we literally see it bounce off and then <laughs> him hit it again. Like, in the chest, like, Obi-Wan hits a stormtrooper with full force in the chest with a lightsaber, and it bounces. And so, like, that to me, that's an issue. Um, and so, I don't, like, I think they tried to kind of ratify that a little bit. Yep. They tried to make the lightsabers threat and there's only so much you can do without just being like decapitating people and exactly like, like that is that really what you want to see like i want to watch this with my with my kids when they like get of age i don't want to have to wait till 18 to be like all right time to watch some of my favorite shows you know like and it's invincible <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah invincible. okay well, oh another story there yeah, but i mean yeah. i agree with what you're saying like even before Star Wars was bought out with Disney, it was more of a family thing. This is not like, it's not like Disney has changed that recipe. It's still supposed to be something you can sit down and watch with anybody, really. I mean, there shouldn't be an age gap on what Star Wars is. So, I mean, I don't have a problem with, I think they did a good job, like you said, of making the lightsabers feel more powerful. They made them have a more of a sense of, okay, that person has a lightsaber. You know, it's not just like a, a thing to just bat an eye at you know it's actually a lightsaber so i definitely agree that they did a better job with that in this show than they have done previously and and i mean they i still think they can make improvements there but they are getting better um because uh obi-wan is is a sad um i saw somebody and it was like did you like obi-wan and they used the balin um meme and it was like i love the idea of it but not the truth and I was like, <laughs> what a great meme um, to like just put the. <laughs> I thought that was. Oh, that's awesome. going to be a meme that lives on too, because how? Oh, for you sure. You can apply that to so much. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, um, one question that we talked about open threads. Uh, one question I wanted to ask from you is, what do you think the cargo is on Thrawn ship? So I do think it is Night Sisters. I do think it is you know their bodies that have been laid to rest in these um, caskets or whatever. And I do think ultimately the reason they are bringing them back is Thrawn had to make a deal with the Night Sisters to use their magic. He said, okay, I'll transfer all these bodies back to Dathomir for them. And I do think they are going to try to resurrect them. I do. 
I think there's a lot of people that you can try to get too deep into the weeds on some stuff. I really think that one is a pretty straightforward, um, you know, theory or a straightforward thing they were trying to show. I don't think they were really trying to trick us or anything. And I could be totally wrong. It might not be that at all. But I really do think that's such a night sister type thing. They're all about resurrecting and that type of stuff. So I really yeah. do think that's what they were that's what they were going for, and I think that's what's going to happen. So I did have just kind of tying back to the fixing the sequels part of it. Mm-hmm. I did think it may be Kyber Crystals. Okay. Um, I I don't think that I like if I had to pick one, I'd say yes, you're right. It, it is Night Sister. Uh, like. It, it was a tomb. They're bringing up all the the, the bodies, and that's what they're going to come back and resurrect and have a Night Sister army that helps take over the world um, or the galaxy. But um, I did think it would be interesting if that was um, Kyber Crystals. And one of the okay. reasons I think of that is because if you think back to Rebels, um, um, when they were looking, I, I think Ezra was on a Pike ship, and they were transporting massive kyber crystals for the death yeah that's the episode with saw guerrera yes exactly and so i think i um knowing knowing dave filoni and and how much he loves to tie his shows back into it i do actually think there's a chance that those might be the uh, i don't even know what the the planet that is a death star is what is that what is it called from the sequels i i'm not sure but anyway i think it may be the power behind that planet. Okay. Um, but, um, I mean, that's just a... That's a fun theory to think theory. about. Yeah. Yeah, I think, right. I definitely think that one is, I, I could see, I wouldn't be shocked, because Dave Filoni definitely loves what he has written, which I think he should. He, yes. he definitely has a, he loves what he has done with Star Wars, and he does do a lot of tying back to the stuff he has done. So, I, I wouldn't be completely shocked, but I would be shocked if it isn't anything other than just the Night Sister bodies, personally. All right, and so I guess I think we covered like the show pretty well. I do want to ask you at least one more question on it, and that is, do you think this is the best Star Wars live-action show? So I'm going to go ahead and say yes, but I'll add a but to it. I still think Andor was phenomenal. I still think just what they did with Andor is so cool. I'm a big fan of Rogue One. I think mm-hmm. it is one of the best Star Wars movies, period. I, I love that movie. I think okay. the Battle of Scarif is one of the coolest battles we've ever seen in Star Wars. So I, I have a big affection for that movie. Um, and being a show literally building into that movie, I mean, from what I've read and heard, season two is literally supposed to end a few days before Rogue One starts, the movie starts. Oh, that's so going to be so good. Yes, it's going to be really, really cool. Um, so I'm super excited for that. Um, so I, I do think it was the best show. I think it is very very well written i think it is my favorite show because of the fan service stuff that they did it might not even be fan service i think all the stuff that they did that we're calling fan service actually was essential to the plot but yeah i do think those are the things i mean seeing anakin i mean seeing the clone troopers in live action was super cool in those flashbacks seeing a maul delorean was really cool those are the things that elevated it for me as far as just a straight up writing i still think andor might have the edge there i think andor was one of the best written Star Wars things we've ever gotten, but just overall, I would definitely give Ahsoka the number one show. Okay, and so what's crazy is I didn't watch Andor when it came out. I tried to watch mm-hmm. it with my wife, and she just wasn't she wasn't 
interested in it. Um, she she just couldn't get into the show, so I just like kind of put it on the shelf. It's a long show. Um, you only have limited time, so you want to be careful with what content you're taking in. I actually didn't watch it until this year, and oh my goodness, was that amazing. Um, so I personally think this is kind of on that level, what I said earlier, where if they deliver, yes, it's the best. Currently, I think Andor still holds the cake. Okay. For for me, because and- like Andor can be a completely complete work in and of itself and doesn't need anything anything else in it and for it to be as good as it is without anything i just think i think it's so good oh and i'm not gonna i mean like i said if it wasn't just for those few things i mean and if once season two of andor comes out i might shift back and say season one of andor is better than ahsoka i mean i might have some recency bias going on because i haven't rewatched andor um i just watched it the first time i watched it when it was releasing if i rewatched it i might even give it back the number one spot but like some of the things in Andor, which I know we're going to move on to Loki here in a second, but the stakes of Andor felt so huge. They felt astronomical. You almost felt stressed watching the show in a good way. You were like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Some of the speeches we heard, I still go back and I randomly will just watch the speech Luthen gave. Oh, that so was good. one of the best speeches I've ever heard, period, in any Star Wars, any movie, any show, period. I thought that speech was just... You know, hearing him say, what does he sacrifice? And he says his life. I mean, that was just awesome. Oh, I mean, so seeing the breakout of the prison. Um, what's the actor's name that played in that? Um, uh, is it Paul. Andy? Andy, Andy Circus. Yes. Wow. I mean, one of the best acting performances, period, in Star Wars. You know, so and now that we're talking good. about it, I might have to say Andor is still number one. Because some of these <laughs> things are just absolutely <laughs> crazy. But it's definitely Ahsoka's one or two for me. Um, I, I think I think something in the finale kind of kind of solidified it for me um, in Ahsoka that said, you know, Andor's just a little better. Yeah. And for me, it was that Tie Fighter. That Tie Fighter felt like nothing. And I understand they're Jedi and in Andor they have no power whatsoever. Yeah. But man, when you felt a Tie Fighter, man, you felt the power, you felt the presence, you felt the fear of what one of those would bring. And and you just didn't have that sense of urgency, death, like like at any time this could fall apart. Um, so I think, and as as good of a villain as Thrawn was, we really didn't get to see him peak level yet. No, um, no. They really handicapped him behind not having all the resources he needs. Behind, hey, I'm trying to escape. So we really didn't get to see Thrawn and his. Um, full power and might because man is he a great but um i think because of that i gotta give the edge to andor andor for me is still number one um with ahsoka uh battling mando season two for me i mean mando season two is i mean you just said my top three right there i think (laughs) and i don't think there's an argument there i think most star wars fans or fans in general would say those are the top three shows we've gotten yeah, and and a lot of people like uh, season one better, but personally for me, the finale of season two just is unmatched. Oh, dude! Um, for for Mando, like man, seeing Luke Skywalker, and I know we need to get the Loki, but man, seeing him come in and just decimate those dark troopers, especially after the disappointment of seeing him in the 
the the sequels and then like to get to see the proper Luke from yeah. what we envisioned he should be. Yeah. So literally force crushing. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it goes um, Andor, Ahsoka, Mando season two. Okay. And Mando season two may take over Ahsoka, depending, like I said, on how this pays off. But there's just too much good here for me to say, hey. Um, and, and also, it's lightsabers, right? We actually get to see like oh, force and lightsabers and all the things the that we love all the time. So for me, I, I think that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, it, it was it was great, and like I said, those those are the top three, and you can battle them any way you want. I won't argue either way. But let's get into some Loki talk. And I gotta say, as big of a Star Wars fan as I am, as much I'm more of a Star Wars fan than I am a Marvel fan. This episode of Loki, I was, whew, it was amazing. I almost was like, was that better than the Ahsoka finale? I literally loved this episode of Loki. So, so to me, I, I I think I said an episode, but I'm an absolute Marvel junkie. Yeah. Um, I love it all. I've watched this episode twice already. Um, I watched the finale of season two, I mean of season one, right at eight o'clock, and then jumped right into season two, episode one, and it was perfect. For me, it was better than Ahsoka finale. The first episode of Loki was better than the Ahsoka finale for me personally and boy i just there was so many good things so okay. many good things that happened it was awesome and i mean i wish i would have thought to start at eight o'clock and watch the finale of season one because it literally picks up right where we left off yeah like, i mean like in like right. mom- instantaneously right where you left off and in it and it felt like the stakes were still as high as when the season one ended I mean, it felt like everything was urgent, and I've been seeing people all over the internet talk about it, and I really did like Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I really did enjoy that movie. I thought it was a solid 8 out of 10, maybe 8.5 out of 10. I really liked that movie, but what they didn't really do a great job of in that movie is showing how fearsome Kang is, and I know this. there's different versions of Kang. The <sighs> Kang in Quantumania is not as scary as the Loki Kang, but so, the way uh... Loki freaked like made me genuinely nervous about who kang is as a villain and they never showed him and it it literally we saw a statue of him or a a portrait of him whatever you want to call that mural on the wall and i was literally like this is scary yes yeah like like man is he is he just a threat and i will touch on the quantum mania thing for a second a lot of people like really just like hated on him a lot but what King's biggest weapon is time. Yeah, he's not like some big. He's not Thanos. You're not yeah, scared of really getting in a hand to hand combat fight with him. Yeah, he uh, King is from the future. Um, he's from the 31st century, so he's not he's not someone who's just this massive broad. Like he's got all these powers. King is a tech guy who is just a super genius level intellect. And Probably so, the smartest person to ever be in marvel period yeah he's he's actually the descendant of reed richards uh for yeah, those of you who don't so cool. know like that the connection there but like i think i think there's unjust hate on the quantum media i agree uh king because he just didn't have like it's like oh man well the punisher he's just not that strong without his guns well of course not he's just a man yep. and so like when you take away all of his 
his most valuable weapons, which we saw in the finale of Loki season one, with just how powerful he is with just a single Tempad. Wow. Like, I, we are in for a treat for this and the, the entirety of going forward. Uh, I uh, agree. For the Marvel. This, if they can, if they can stick to the main thing being the main thing, I really think we have a good line here for a super good villain and a great threat. I 100% agree. And, and not only did this episode just really, it really made me realize Loki is by far and above one of the best Marvel projects we have gotten, period. You, you yeah. can talk about any movie, we can talk about anything. It's just peak Marvel. It is. And, and Tom Hiddleston brings the character to life. He's played it. He's studied it. He's he's really embodied him and transformed him from when we first saw it. You know, We're making our way back through the MCU, and it's funny to see him in that first Thor. You know, with like the greasy hair and like yep. just the like the one dimensional kind of evil to like where he's at now. It's just such a cool, cool development and and creation of the character to to just evolve him to something that is just deep and mischievous and untrusting, but still like cares if the world dies. I guess like it kind of kind of brings you back to the guardians thing it's like why do why would you care about the guardians and it's like because i'm one of or why would you care about the galaxy and he's like because i'm one of the idiots who live in it and it's right. like <laughs> like loki doesn't necessarily do this out of the goodness of his heart but because the world will he does end it for if he doesn't oh yeah he's he's the the epitome of a narcissist yes um but it, it's so cool to see him on the team you're rooting for well, and it's cool, you know, we talk about who's the who's the perfect Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., who's the Absolutely. perfect Captain America, Chris Evans. Tom Hiddleston is the perfect Loki. I mean, sure. he ac- executes that character better than anyone else. I mean, you can't ever picture someone else being Iron Man. You can't picture someone else being Captain America. I can picture someone else being Hulk. I can picture someone else being Black Widow. I mean, I'm not saying they, you know, those actors, I'm not saying Mark Ruffalo, Scarlett Johansson didn't do an amazing job. But there are levels to this. And Tom Hiddleston is is Loki. He is Loki. And speaking of great castings, Mobius. Oh, dude. (laughs) Man, to see Owen Wilson in a Marvel project and just killing it. Every time he's on screen, I'm just I'm just loving I'm loving everything he's doing. He's funny. He's he's perfect for the role. He's serious when he needs to be like I just love that character. And one thing you can always tell an actor is doing a good job. Owen Wilson has been in a ton of different stuff. When you're watching Loki, I don't think about any of those other projects. I'm not like, oh, that's I'm seeing that character. (laughs) I'm you know what I well but you get what I'm saying. You're not you're not thinking of Marley and me when you're watching No, you're thinking of Mobius. You're thinking of Mobius and what he is doing as a character right now. You're not seeing tendencies he's used in other movies where you're like, oh, that's from. Wow. Exactly. You're not <laughs> hearing that stuff. This is just like a different actor, you know, doing his own thing in a different project. And it's awesome. I think he is. Mobius is probably he might be my favorite character in the show. And my, uh, speaking of favorite characters, my favorite ad, man. Oh, man. Ouroboros. 
<laughs> I was literally about to say oh, before I my went talking goodness. about my favorite character. I was going to say Mobius is my favorite character if it weren't for Obi. I love oh. <laughs> Obi. I think he is such a great character. Oh, man. Sorry I cut you off there because, man, I, like, but he is so good. And, like, to see the actor, um, oh, man, I think I, um, yeah, K, uh, his name is Keha Hugh Guan. Yeah, I think. Uh, but man, to see him kind of get back into the limelight because he's the kid from uh, later uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah, or in the Temple of Dune, Temple of Dune, Indiana Jones. And, you know, he got his his break back into Hollywood with everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. And now getting cast in this is really skidding like he uh, and I, I heard an interview with him and it was like, I thought it would be easy to stay in, but no one would cast me because I. I just, I, I, I guess I reminded them of the Temple of Doom kid, and so he really got kind of blacklisted from getting cast. And to see him come back and just doing so good, um, it's really nice. Yeah, it, it's awesome, and he did. I mean, he's from the he's the kid in the Goonies. I yeah, mean, he is the kid <laughs> in the Goonies. I mean, he's done some big projects, but he really did kind of get... I mean, you see it a lot in Star Wars and Marvel where, you know, a character becomes so associated with a character. People don't want to cast him because they they don't want Iron Man in their movie. They want Robert Downey Jr. They don't want, you know what I mean, Captain America. They want Chris Evans. Yeah, they don't want the, you to be watching Dwayne Rock Johnson. They want the character that they wrote. Exactly. So... I understand. I, I I hate how people get blacklisted, but this is a perfect example as to why that shouldn't be happening. I mean, he is a phenomenal actor, and they did he did a great job. I, every scene he was in, I loved, and I love talking about you know his character. Absolutely love how Loki was figuring out his time slipping. You know, we're gonna talk about time slipping a little bit. That was where he was jumping back and forth between the future, the past, and the present. He was learning how to talk to Obi, and Obi was remembering stuff as it was happening in the past because Loki had gone back and talked to the young... I thought it was so cool seeing that whole revelation unfold. So I will say, time-slipping breaks all of the rules that they have established for time travel. I know. (laughs) And so so we see in Endgame where Hulk Hulk breaks down the rules and he's like, hey, you can't affect the future because you went back into the past because now the past is your new future, which can't affect the past, which happened. And and he's breaking it down because every time you go back to the past, you're just creating one of these branch realities that the TBA yep. is killing. And so, um, time slipping it only would. So he said he's never seen it. It's not possible in the TBA. But I actually think it's only possible in the TBA. I, I was about to say that's where I justified it. I know, like where you talk about Hulk breaking it down. I think that's why it was allowed. And why it wasn't, you know, them doing that is because it is allowed in the TVA. It's the only way it can work because they are the ones that were in charge of pruning these alternate, you know, realities that were happening. Correct. Yeah, because time so works if it's differently in TVA. Exactly. So if it's happening in the TVA, there's not really another branch being made. It's still kind of the same timeline, just kind of being altered. So one of my theories from season one is that the TVA is actually located in the quantum. Yep, I could see that. And so, because that's how they get access to time travel, that's where time works differently. And then that's where we see Kang in the multiverse in Quantumania. Um, so I actually think the TVA is established and created in the quantum realm. 
I mean, I think there, there's just like, you know, we're talking about this show. There are so many questions that I have. And they, I mean, there's so much stuff they are going to have to tell us in this season or if it gets a season three. I don't know if this show has been confirmed or if this is supposed to be the uh, final season. It, um, it, there, it's been left open so far. Okay. But like, I think they did such a good job because like you kind of kind of like I kind of sat back and was like analyzing the show. And I was like, why did they introduce time slipping? Like, like, cause that's really what the entire first episode was, was time slipping. Um, yeah. And like, they didn't have, like, if you sit back and you're like, well, they really didn't have to do it because, you know, at the end of the episode is resolved. He's not going to be time slipping anymore. They fixed yes, it. They, they fix it. So, uh, and like you sit back and then you're like, but wait. How much did we, information did we get told because he time slipped? We got told we get to see the the king establish the TVA and didn't have the time rulers because he went to the past, and so we get to see that like King established the TVA and that he was in control. Because I thought he got sent back to an alternate TVA at the end of season one. I didn't think okay. it was the same one. And so then to get like, hey, actually, this is just the TVA of the past. Mm-hmm. And so we get to see that and set up Obi and get to, to kind of break down, well, their memories were wiped. So we, we get that mystery solved. And then we get to see him time slip into the future. Yeah. And and him get pruned by Sylvie. Okay, so you think that – that was a question I was about to ask you. Do you think that was Sylvie? Oh, 100%. That was Sylvie. Okay. And, and so I think personally – he said, hey, you have to go here. In the show, they'll, I think they'll show her saying, hey, at this time, you have to be here and prune me. So, and so but, we'll get to see her prune him during the show at one point because he told her to go prune him. I, I see. I don't I've seen a, I don't know if that because she was coming through the elevator. Yes, correct. I don't think she pruned him. I don't know who I have. A, I kind of feel like it was a future Loki that pruned him, and I, that kind of br- opens up some like weird because he was supposed to be like technically the last Loki for him to quit time slipping. Okay, but he was stabbed from behind. By the way, it looked to me, I do not think it was Sylvie that pruned him, and really? it might not have been Loki. Okay, but I, I thought don't it was think Sylvie it was because her. well, I thought it was Sylvie because it was showing that they will be together again. Like, they'll be on the same side. Yes. I, I, and it could have been. I mean, the way they did the camera, it might it might have totally just caught me. I might have been looking at it differently than they were portraying it. But I just, I don't know. Something about that, I think he got hit in the back. Because he looked shocked to see her in the elevator. She said, oh, there you are. I've been looking for you. So I can yeah. see what you're saying with that could have been her ready to prune him. But it really did look like he got hit in the back to me. Okay, okay, I'll have to watch it a third time to, to see. <laughs> I mean, and like I said, I could have I could have saw I've only watched the episode once, so I could have just been I have, you know, I looking at it differently. I haven't looked at anything on Twitter for this. I haven't seen any breakdown videos. I've stayed completely off of it because I, I wanted my thoughts to be my thoughts yeah. on this. So I'm I'm curious to see what other people are thinking. Um after because I'll I'll break the hatchet loose after, you know, we record this and and, and dive into some theories. Right. Um, but then also, like, so, and then time slipping got to see where Renslayer went. 
because at the end of season one, Renslayer takes the Tim pad and some files that Mrs. Minnick gives her, and she disappears. Yeah. And so we don't see where she gets to go. Uh, and I think it's really cool that we're going to get – she went to the past to work with Kang. Is yep. is what I think it was showing in that recording in the war room in the past. And so that's really cool that we get to see where her story is going to lead um, because she is supposed to have this relationship with Kang in the comics. Which would be really cool if they do dive into that. I think that would be a really cool little little plot point. Um, I really like how Loki tells Mobius. He's like, Mobius is all about let's ask Miss Minutes. Let's ask Miss He's always saying that. Loki's like, you can't trust Miss Minutes. I love that little, like... <laughs> she I think was that's there at the a, end. Yep, I think that's such a great little, like, just tidbit of things that we, you know, you could, he could have not said that. He could have just been like, alright, whatever. But just the fact that they were, you know, the writing was strong enough to be like, oh, make sure Loki says you can't trust Miss Minutes. And oh, Mobius and how frantic him. he was. Yes, he like, was like, don't trust him. Don't Like, he was freaking out. I loved seeing Loki so scared. And so, like, on edge the entire time. Yep. Oh, man. I'm just, I'm it, just thinking about how good that episode was. It, it, was, it was great. I mean, there are so many good things that they did. I mean, we didn't get to see Sylvie at all. And we'll talk about the post credit scene. Okay. We saw, well, we Sophie, saw her in the elevator. We saw we her saw in the elevator. elevator. And then after that, I mean, was that the only time? I guess we saw, I think we saw her in maybe a flashback or like a... In the crochet um, scenes is the only time of it. Yeah, so we saw that, and then we see her in the post-credit scene, and we know she's going to be a big deal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, she well, might the be... The entire army is going after her. Oh, dude, I, I loved seeing... I, I think the character's name is B-15 or Hunter. Um, uh, yeah, Hunter Hunter is the, the girl that is with uh, Mobius. Yeah, I, I love that she's kind of like also trying to figure out what's really going on. I think she's a very interesting character, and I think she'll be important to the show. Moving Absolutely. forward, um, I just think we saw in the the little room where they were interrogating her um, the like weird little like relationship the one character and the other soldier have. Yeah, X five um, and the other judge. That was yeah. weird. Yes, they had a weird relationship that I see. I think we're gonna see more on for sure. Yeah, I think we're gonna see that they are in it for their own power in yep. that aspect and. Man, and that, that I did not like that character. I think no. I don't. I don't think you're supposed to. And I think they no, did a good job so of saying, "Don't like this guy." Yeah, I think I think they did such a good job. Like, it's just such. There are so many great aspects to this show. Um, but you know, we talked about the post credit scene. We see Sylvia in McDonald's, which I can very much so relate to that because I love McDonald's, and she almost <laughs> ordered exactly what I order when I go to McDonald's. One of everything. So I loved seeing that. I love that she almost kind of looks like she's just like done. It kind of like portrayed that, you know what? I'm just going to actually sit down and enjoy my life. Well, I think I think what was beautiful about that one event, I want to try everything is what she said. Yep. And she didn't say that looking at the menu. She looked at that saying like looking at everyone's happy life. Yep. Yep. And so like she has and, you know, she's like 1500 years old. She well, is. She's been doing this journey for fifteen hundred years. She's been. And in her mind, day. she she just finished what she set out to do. She killed. Yeah, Kang. exactly. She yeah, killed. That was her entire purpose. She doesn't yes. know this fight is coming. Yeah, she doesn't know because 
Loki got to go back to the TVA whenever he got pushed to the Tim Pad. He saw that what Kang said, what He Who Remains said, it came to fruition. He said, there's just going to be another one of me. It might be someone worse than I am. I mean, I might be the the good person here. And Loki kind of started to say that. He was like, he might have been right. He might have been good. But he couldn't convince Sylvie not to kill him. Yeah, she was so convinced that he was the devil that she didn't care. And And the reason she was able to push Loki through that door is because she knew that that she was 100% right. Like, in her mind, that was the truth. And so she didn't care about Loki at that point. She said, hey, I'm, you know, this is truth. He is lying. Yeah, and she was not She was not looking at this as a point of he might actually be telling the truth. She just, any word that came out of his mouth was false. And yep. she was there to do one thing, and that was kill him. And she did. Yep. And and I love his final statement in that, in that series. I'll see you soon. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh. I, I just I think you know, we've talked about actors and how well they do. Jonathan Majors is a great king. I and, know he's got a lot of a lot of controversy going on well, and all I, that stuff. I would just say props to Disney for not just doing what they did to Johnny Depp. Yeah, they did not just bail on him. They actually waited to see what happened. <laughs> and, and we still don't know. Um it does look like it's good for him. It does seem like like it's uh, false accusations that yeah. it wasn't what it was, but I mean, the he hasn't been cleared yet. No. So, and clearly he is front and center. Oh, he, um, he's a big part of, of the show. So, um, hopefully he is innocent. Like, not that he's found innocent. Hopefully he is innocent. Um, yeah. And if he's guilty, hopefully he gets found guilty. But um, props to Disney for waiting for the justicism to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, rather than just making a, a harsh, a, a rash decision and just because yeah, you are innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, and it should be that way. Yeah. So I think I think his character he does he does a really good job of playing that character, and I really I am excited. Probably the most excited part about this show is I can't wait to see him again. Oh, absolutely. Which I hope we do. I there's a part of me that I could see this whole season just us being literally terrified of the thought of him. And oh, we'll, never we'll actually see. getting to see him. We we see him. He's in the trailers. Oh, is he? I don't remember that seeing him in the trailer. So it's not it's not he who remains. It's uh Victor Victor The somewhere. one from the past. Maybe. Or what yeah, what we think. The one It may be an like alternate the, dimension. Yeah. An yeah. alternate universe. We, I do we have no that. clue I do what's coming. That. Yeah. But we'll we'll get to see a king. Maybe yes. not the king. Yeah. One you know they kind of set it up at the end of Quantum Mania. We see the Council of Kings. Um, so I kind of we're, I think we're gonna if we do see Kang, I think we're gonna get to start to see a little bit more of that, which that is exciting to me because we know those three the three most powerful kings, which is what Rama Tut. Um, I forget the oh other my. two's <sighs> the other two's actual names. Um, but, I mean, we saw them at the end of Quantum Mania, and if we can just get a little bit more of that, because I thought that ending in Quantum Mania was super, super cool. So I'm just excited to see more of that. And I think that's what's coming. I think Disney is building it up for those to be the three big Kangs that we're going to be, you know, experiencing into Avengers Secret Wars, um, 
into the Kang dynasty. I think those are the main Kangs that we're going to be seeing, which is exciting. Yeah, I think Immortus was one of them that was there with him. Uh-huh. And then, oh, what's the last one? But yes, I, I, I think if we can get to see more. Oh, yes. Victorious Prime. I'm trying to trying to look up which one it was. Yeah. Um, but if we if we get to see more of the Kings, that's going to be so amazing because like you said, he is just killing that role. And to get to see his range in playing different versions of the same character. Yeah, it's gonna be <sighs> And I, I hope I hope Loki pays all that off. I, I actually don't have too much hopes that we're gonna see a bunch of Kings in this. Okay. I think we're going to see one Prime Kang, and then maybe something similar to Quantumania, where we end with a lot of Kangs. Okay, that, I could see that too. I could see that too. Um, but I mean, who knows where they're going? I we, mean, we, we know. I mean, we know this show is going. It's it's well, really it was you, the building block. Season one was the building block into this next generation of Marvel. We know season two is continuing that, and it seems like that's the only show that is really getting that privilege of being very important to what's coming and what's happening. Yeah. I mean, WandaVision was important to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And if you don't watch WandaVision, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is just the worst movie. Because you're just so lost. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you're why, like, why is she evil? evil? Yeah. Um, so, like, like you said, like, but that's not to the overarching story that's being told by the universe it's it's just for a select storyline um so i it is does seem like it's the only very important show to the uh overarching plan of the mc yeah i mean it literally is the most important thing going forward i mean it it seems like it's really leading i mean if you're talking about the next version of thanos in the mcu which is kang the next big villain it's really been the biggest push of that. I mean, we're seeing, we we hear more talk about Kang in this show than we hear have heard about in literally anything else besides Quantumania. Oh, absolutely, and and it also I think it does such a good job because we are in the multiverse saga. Like, so the first uh, three phases of the MCU was the uh, Infinity Saga, and everything yeah. was building to Thanos. We're currently in the multiverse saga, and th- this show does such a good job explaining the multiverse and and setting that up um, i mean because this show broke it this show broke the multiverse yeah it, it's well, the and, reason we have what we have going forward and it does a good job and the multiverse can be such a confusing thing if you talk to someone that's not really familiar with marvel and stuff it makes zero sense but this show yes. does such a good job of breaking it down to a basic level of understanding that it actually makes it not overwhelming i think they do a really good job with making when i'm watching this show i'm not like what world are we in what is this talking about what is this doing like there's just too much going on they do a really good job of slowing it down this is what's happening this is how it affects all this other stuff and let's go from there i think they do a really good job of that with this show i think so too and i'm interested because sylvie went to an alternate timeline yep the the little title card there at the bottom it said like 1980 something yeah alternate branch timeline so i'm curious why she chose to go not back to the sacred timeline 
Yeah, because she would have just taken a tin pad, you know, and gone wherever. Well, after she's she gonna. I mean, she has Kang's tin pad. Yeah. So. Which is that? Which is crazy. <laughs> we talk yeah, about I mean, talk about a mighty powerful weapon to have in your back pocket. Oh, one hundred percent. She like I think she's gonna wipe out that entire force that's coming to get her so quick. I think it's gonna be. <laughs> I think it's gonna be like a blink, and there we're gonna get to see just how powerful that technology is. Yeah, I hope they do it justice. I, I really hope that is what we get. Um, I keep seeing like like trailers and commercials for what's coming up in Loki season two. I think there's some really cool things to be excited about. I'm excited to see hopefully Loki get to use some of his mischief magic, some of his power. Um, I've seen a few little trailers and snippets of that happening. Um, I just love Loki has become one of my favorite Marvel characters throughout this show. Um, and this episode really just solidified it. I, I just love that character. Absolutely. And and, <laughs> and we talked about uh, Mobius, but man, I laughed out loud so many times in this <laughs> in this episode. I think I think one of the hardest like times I laughed out loud was when they were in the elevator. And they're talking about how bad it looks time slipping. And it looks like such a personal conversation. And then it pans over to this guy <laughs> and he's just mortified at what he just saw yeah, just like, lost. i just lost it i just lost it well it, i think they did such a good job and you know a funny part of the show is when they go and obi takes them into that little room which i don't know if you've seen some of the parallel pictures which is really cool they kind of those doors opening to go out and see like the the timelines yeah okay um, it looked very similar to like the x-men doors opening which i thought was really oh, cool, yeah they, they kind of did, did some that. little they did some little like things like that. Now I don't think it means anything. I just think it's like cool little things that they showed. But him writing skin with the dust. Oh, that was so cool. But then that's how Loki knew he was in the future because that was still the skin like, was that, there. Yes, because skin was there and they weren't there anymore. It was intense. I love how they use something funny to actually be important to the plot of the show. Absolutely. Now you said you don't think that means anything. I don't. I don't know that it necessarily was that. I, I think mean, it does. Okay. Well, I would love to hear what you think. I know this episode might be running long, but this is this is our podcast, so we make the rules. So <laughs> I would love to hear what you think is important about that. So I I don't think that it's just like oh well we're in an X Men thing. I think it's just a hint because because okay. Marvel has acquired Fox, they have the rights to X Men. They're working yep. on Deadpool three right now which we know is part of the multi like it's part of the mcu now like it's going to be and i think that this show and i've heard some rumors that this is going to lead directly into deadpool coming into the mcu okay and so don't get me excited like that because you start talking about that stuff and i'm oh that would just be amazing I i think that this is going to have an end credit scene that that goes right into that Dude, because if it, they do it releases like next that, year. Yeah. Well, especially now with these strikes seeming to come to an end, it sounds like they're actually going to be able to really get back into it. Which, before they started, they were pretty much, they were in the thick of it. So... I heard something say that they were able to finish most of it. I I, I may have heard a report from, like, the Hollywood trade that said that they, they actually completed filming because they were there was a loophole that if they were so close to finishing or something they allowed them to continue working okay during the strikes um, i think i might have heard something like that but like 
correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you didn't hear this. They just had to stick with the script that they had. They weren't yeah, allowed to like make changes. They couldn't do any run, like yeah. So so man man, what a perfect segue. Sticking with the script they had. Um, so I just heard a report yesterday or the day before that Loki didn't get a single rewrite. Oh, dude, I I I saw that too. There was no reshoots for the show. Is that like or a rewrite? No yeah, reshoots, or a rewrite no rewrites, or, nothing. That is awesome. That, that is never really, happens. That's so cool. That is. It just shows like how good they are at playing their characters, at shooting these scenes, and how intentional the show is. Yes, it's not like they threw together a script and were like, "Oh, let's see how it it is when we get to filming." They were like, this is how it's going to be. And I think it shows because of how good this first episode was. Well, and, and so, um, and, you know, the show Armor Wars was, was um, said to come out. Like, I think they said that was, like, they announced that Armor Wars was coming in 2020. It was finished and a teaser was shown in 2020. And now Armor Wars just got pushed back to 2025. Yeah. So, like, the fact that they're just so intentional, there wasn't anything needed, and then this show is as good as it is with all of, like, I, I know there's been a lot of, like, uh, like uh, hate on the MCU here recently, but, man, it, after we got given Guardians of the Galaxy 3 um, and then coming into this movie, like, man, the MCU is back in full, like, peak it, mode. It's, it's good. It is really in a good spot right now. Yeah, we um we finished Infinity War, uh, and my wife was like, "Well, I guess we don't have any good movies left." And um, <laughs> well, Endgame, Endgame, because that's her favorite. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, last night we just finished No Way Home, and and we ranked No Way Home. We're on because we're currently ranking them as we as we watch them to kind of get a, a good grasp of where they're at. And uh, I I looked at her and I said, "Hey, do you see that? Like the movies after." Infinite uh, in game are more in the top half than in the bottom half. Yeah, which and, is it kind of makes you think we've actually had better than we. I think we really we've really taken it for granted. Yeah, we got spoiled, and and after coming off of Endgame and, and Infinity War, which were just the perfect conclusion to the Infinity Saga, it, it's hard to take a step back and see that anything can be as good as what was being done before. And then also like that recency bias that you were saying in Ahsoka, it works in reverse also. It's like ah, it just felt better. Like nostalgia is the the best drug, is what people say. It's dangerous. And so, so like when you're like you're thinking back and you're like, man, I just really miss you know the the twenty the twenty thirteen movies, and you're like, you really miss Thor: The Dark World, like <laughs> <laughs> or the first or the Hulk movie. Yeah, which so I just I, I really think that we're we're in peak Marvel right now. We only yeah. have only have better to come. Yeah, we're we're in for such a treat. I mean, there's so many great things coming in this Loki show. I mean, we both I think we both kind of agreed. We almost enjoyed this. You said you did enjoy it more than Ahsoka finale. I I'm right there. It's it's right. It's battling for which one I enjoyed more because um, it was just that good. So yeah, I'm it. super excited, super excited for what's to come with Marvel. I am very sad though. That we don't have another Ahsoka episode on Tuesday. Oh, it's like my there's going to be a, a a gap in my heart on Tuesdays I, at nine o'clock now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, so. there's nothing like. I mean, it's so. I talked about last week 
how awesome was it having Ahsoka finale on Tuesday and then another show on Thursday night? Oh my, just so good. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I know Disney's trying to stretch stuff out, and I know they're probably obviously two giant shows like that. They don't want everything coming out in one week all at the same time. But it really does show if they could do that every once in a while. I mean, I'll take it every time they want to offer it. I thought that as, was as really, long really as really it's cool. as long as it's good. Yes. As long yeah, as it's oh, yeah. Good don't, let, let's not <laughs> let's not do some <laughs> let's not just throw some stuff out there. But I thought those were really that was a really cool week. Um, probably the first time it might be the last time we ever get something like that where we get two major from, franchises doing something like that from the same uh fran- from the same company yeah from like disney yeah like if if we have invincible come out in a week and it's overlapping with with something that but that's prime that's amazon prime so yeah but to, for it to both be disney products is kind of crazy yeah it was really cool um oh what a great week what a great week so do you have any closing thoughts on <sighs> Anything you want to talk about on Ahsoka before we end this episode, or anything you we didn't touch on in Loki? Is there anything you're, you know, itching to see, or something you're itching to talk about? Oh my, I, I think we covered it really good. I just really hope we get more Obi. Um, <laughs> I hope that was not the end of Obi, which I don't think it is. I don't think it is so either. Good. But man, if uh, if it takes another five hundred years for for him and Morbius uh, to <laughs> to join, that's gonna be sad. Well, and it's like he got his name Obi because Loki, like, said it to. It was just, it was just awesome. It was so cool that they. I love that scene. I thought that was so good. Um, I, I would love to see more Obi. I thought oh, he was such so a great good. addition to this show. But now nah, we we have some news that we could talk about, um, and and some of the upcoming stuff. But uh, honestly, we're we're an hour and sixteen minutes in, so. Uh, it may be best to wrap it up. Um, I know we make the rules, but um, maybe we can save that for a week that we don't have um, two of the best <laughs> shows we've had in uh, recent years come out. Well, definitely, probably, as far as just a week is concerned, maybe one of the best weeks of shows ever. I mean, just having two major things. We just talked about it. Having two giant shows like Loki and Ahsoka dropping a finale and a premiere in one week. It's, well, it was I mean, awesome. It's definitely the best for me for shows that I watch. Um, I've never had it a week that's this good. Oh, I haven't either. The only thing that could have made this, if we would have somehow in some magical world that I'll never get to experience, if if we'd have had the Ahsoka finale, a Stranger Things episode, and then Ooh. this episode of Loki. Oh, that that's literally the only thing I think could have made as far as a show week goes any better. Better, I thought that that would have been. So probably will never th- happen. Stranger Things is your favorite show of all Ever. time. Yes, and it, and it's not my favorite franchise. Star Wars is my favorite, like franchise, anything like that. But just as far as a show is concerned, Stranger Things takes it for me. So yeah, and and you'd be hard pressed to have anyone give it like a like a valid argument for why that's wrong. You might say, oh dude, because um, man, Stranger Things is incredible. I'm I'm excited man. when that show gets to release. Oh. We'll talk about that. Yes, that that's going to be maybe my favorite podcast episode we might ever film is that that first week of Stranger Things coming back and then that finale week. There's going to be there might be some tears shed that episode. We might have to put the NFT in the background. <laughs> <laughs> if I can figure out a way to show off my Funko NFTs, um you will 100% be seeing them that episode. Oh my. <laughs> but if you don't have anything else to say, I think that is going to do it for episode number 2 of the Weekly Fix. I had a great time talking. 
Um, you guys can look forward to seeing us again um, next Monday. We're going to try to get back on that weekly schedule. Obviously, we're the weekly fix. We don't want to become the bi-weekly fix or even the monthly fix. We should be back to our normal podcasting schedule as long as nothing else happens. I mean, life's crazy and always subject to change, but you guys can look forward to seeing us again next Monday. Zane, if you don't have anything else to say. Uh, that's a wrap, man. That is a wrap. So thank you guys for watching, and we will see you in the next episode.